Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Mass swings on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Chadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. We're joined today by Mike Anthony of the Statesboro Herald, the sports editor and beat writer for Georgia Southern at the Herald. Mike, how are you? Uh, doing pretty well, doing pretty well. A little jet lag. <laughs> yeah, a little jet lag. Uh, we were both in Baton Rouge this past weekend. By now, all Eagle fans certainly know what happened. It was not, uh, you know... I, it was a loaded game. I feel like you know, no one expected Georgia Southern to win, but the, just the way it kind of felt and the way it went down uh, was something that we'll get into. Uh, and, and then, so we'll talk about it. We'll get it off our chest, and then we'll never bring up LSU again. Um, before LSU and this whole off season, we were kind of saying, do not let this game kind of be your measuring stick because that's a recipe for disaster. So I got to keep trying to remind myself of that, uh, you know, not to look too much into playing the number six team in the country. But we will go over that uh, and then we will jump into some main talk. Uh, uh, the main black bears are number six team in the country. Uh, the number six FCS team in the country. They're coming to Statesboro this Saturday. First 6 p.m. kickoff with Georgia Southern. That's the home opener. Um, obviously a lot going on with the hurricane. There's plenty of quality uh, meteorologists and quality news reporters uh, for you guys to get your hurricane information from. So if you're sick of hearing about uh, tracks and weather patterns and hurricanes, you've come to the right place because we will not be talking about our hurricanes. We're thinking about everyone, but we won't be trying to analyze any hurricanes here. Uh, so we'll go LSU, then Maine, and then we'll have uh, an interview at the back end with a beat reporter for Maine to get you guys ready. All right, Mike, you ready to dive into some LSU? Yeah, let's do it one more time. Let's do it. All right. Not much went right in Baton Rouge, but we want to get this off our chest. So here's what we're going to do. Each of us are going to just list off a few kind of one to two sentence frustrations, complaints, observations, stats that you know we found telling from the game and you know having watched it next to each other in the press box I kind of we kind of both uh, know what what we liked which was very little and what we didn't like which was lengthy uh you know a lengthy list I feel like but you know I'll start uh by saying you know Lunsford and the players and the coaching staff and, and kind of everyone involved with Georgia Southern uh, they can say that they weren't overwhelmed by the moment that the stadium and the atmosphere and the crowd and the noise and all that wasn't too big for them, but it was. It, it was, and that's not the reason they lost, but it played a role. Uh, it didn't help them. It hurt them, and it did matter. And for uh, you know, people and, and players that are you know, almost always really, really straightforward and kind of self-aware, uh, I thought that was kind of a weird rhetoric after the game to just assume or to pretend like, you know, 95,000 didn't matter. Uh, Mike, you're up. Well, I think that, uh, you know, maybe they're saying that the 95,000 didn't matter because the 11 guys wearing uh, yellow helmets and white shirts on the field mattered so much in that they totally shut him down. There's just no part of the game plan that worked. Well, uh, they can both matter, though. They're not mutually exclusive. I mean, of course it mattered. Like, uh, it's harder to play in front of 95,000 than 20,000. Correct. 
and I, I would say that, you know, one of my main concerns is just that, uh, you know, there was, there was nothing that worked right from the beginning, and it really didn't seem like there was any secondary plan to, to go to. And, you know, not saying that you have to pull out every single stop, especially against a team that even on your best day you probably weren't going to beat the way that LSU was playing. But it, it just really seemed that, you know, big teams like LSU – you look at their fans before the game saying, well, I hope they don't show too much. They're going to keep it vanilla. They've got a big game against Texas coming up this week. It almost seemed like Georgia Southern did the same thing. Like after a couple series, they were like, well, we got nothing in the playbook anywhere that's going to work. So we're just going to – don't want to say run the same plays. I know it's more intricate than what it looks like from up in the uh, press box or on the field. But it just really seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of – uh uh, ingenuity, creativity. That it didn't seem like they did too many things to try to figure out a way to stop what LSU was doing on either side of the ball. Yeah, look, I'm with you on that, and that kind of leads me into what I wanted to say. But I'll just you know piggyback off of what you just said. The offense obviously did not do anything to help itself. I couldn't even gain a hundred total yards. But you know, I'm almost more willing to accept that and be okay with that performance than what the defense threw out there to allow five consecutive touchdowns to start a game. I really, you know, if you're playing the 07 Patriots, I'm still not positive you should allow five consecutive touchdowns to start a game. Now, two of them, and we said this in the box, Mike. Two of those, the first two, uh, the first drive was a good drive. Can't do much about that. They finished it off. Uh, with a really, really good throw um, to beat Monquavian Brinson on kind of a skinny little post. Um, and then they ran in from one or two yards out on on the following drive. But it was kind of just the way they went about it. There was just no adapting on the defensive side of the ball, which leads me to my one-sentence uh, complaint. Georgia Southern linebackers covering LSU receivers seemed to be A-OK with the Georgia Southern defensive staff. I, I would ne- I don't understand why they continued to allow and kind of accept people like Jay Bowdry on on slot receivers that clearly uh, uh, he he's overmatched by him. So I you know I'm not sure why schemes weren't changed ever during during the game, but they certainly weren't. And LSU took full advantage. Yeah, that plays into you know my next uh, complaint or observation is that, you know, it seemed to me that one of the biggest problems with defending LSU was something that the Eagles ran into and had problems with last year, and that's mainly these teams that will go four and five wide. They throw it a lot, and they go in no huddle. The Eagles are playing really conservatively. They gave up. It seemed like they were trying really hard not to get beat over the top for big plays. Well, that left a lot of easy completions underneath, and on top of that, it keeps the ball moving. It keeps the offense moving. Uh, doesn't allow for the Eagles to make any sort of substitution. And just like last year, it seemed like when the Eagles got caught in that base defense with maybe one too many linebackers out there, they weren't able to adjust calls on the fly. They weren't able to mix up anything uh, on the fly while LSU was running that no-huddle offense. And it allowed that mismatch that you talked about to go on for four, five, six plays in a row. Yeah, and obviously there's a rationale behind it, I would hope. But I'd love to hear it if someone can come up with a, a – uh, you know, a good reason why you wouldn't prefer someone like Liptrot, uh on the third receiver instead of a linebacker. Um, you know, it wasn't like they were slamming it down your throat running the ball either with with an eye formation. Um, I, I'll go uh, with my next uh, kind of observation. Uh, this one isn't really a complaint. It's just something that I saw having gone back and watched the game um, on Monday. 
uh, the yeah or the SEC Network broadcast. I thought it was interesting in the first uh, three drives of the game, two different times, Shy Wirtz uh, uh, keeps the ball off the first option, off the dive. He, he keeps it. And then when he goes, one time it's out to the left and another time it's out to the right. When he does go out, there is no lateral option pitch man. And instead, there's a wide out, um, not necessarily a wide receiver, but someone out wide. Uh, available for a pass, so it's more of that that new age run pass option. Neither time did it work. Uh, I thought maybe one time it might have been open, maybe, but um, I thought that was at least interesting and notable to bring up that when Wirtz pulls it, oftentimes there's a man running behind him, you know, off to the side, the lateral pitch guy, and um, there wasn't a few times. So that may be one of those new wrinkles. Now, just because it didn't work against LSU doesn't mean it's not going to work uh, in the future. But I thought it was at least interesting. It's something I noticed. Yeah, well, what I'll say is uh, the times where there was that pitch, man, uh, what concerned me was Georgia Southern looked a little bit more like the team from uh, two years ago where uh, Wirtz isn't attacking the line of scrimmage. The, the pitch man isn't going downhill. Uh, a lot of times when – there were pitches or opportunities to be pitches. It would have been coming from four yards behind the line and going backwards another two. So you had situations where I know at least one time I saw the the pitch man is open, but he's running out of room going to the boundary. And by the time he gets the ball, maybe makes one move and sprints for six yards. Well, those six yards, all they did was get you back to the line of scrimmage. And, you know, when this option's working well, it's downhill all the time. The quarterback's within – a few feet of the line of scrimmage right away when he makes that pitch. The guy's already got a head of steam going downhill and not towards the sideline. And give LSU a lot of credit. They wreaked havoc on the offensive line. They got into the backfield. That's what causes a lot of that lack of attacking. But it's something that definitely needs to change starting, you know, this weekend. Uh, Georgia Southern, if they're going to get that option game running, it's got to start going towards the end zone and not towards the sideline. All right, Mike, you got anything else that's maybe – either football-related or non-football-related from the trip to Baton Rouge? Um, the golf was good. What'd you shoot? Uh, often. Mm, that's that's a veteran answer from Mike, Mikey Memory. Uh, I got a couple observations. The press box um, at LSU kind of won me over a little bit. At first, I'm uh, you know I'm up there. I'm just kind of checking it out. It's obviously a really nice area, uh, really nice digs, but I see that the entree... Uh, in the far corner, after you know all all these suits and ties and a million dollar facility, it seems like just in the press box alone, there was a, a tray of hot dogs at the press box. In, in the press box, that was the entree uh, that was provided to all of these like top notch media members. And so I, I wanted to at least bring up that Brian Johnson's um, weekly dominoes in the press box at Georgia Southern. That's better than hot dogs, but the LSU press box for me, Mike, that was a top-notch experience, kind of one of those bucket list things that you and I got to cross off, right? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I know this is uh, – you're still a little bit new to it, but you will see as you go to more of these uh, top-notch facilities that a lot of times the food doesn't quite match the interior and exterior that you're walking into. Uh, That is not the first uh, lukewarm, stale hot dog that I've been fed in a billion-dollar facility. Yeah, it should be very clear that I did eat three hot dogs. I mean, I'm not, I'm not above hot dogs. Let's not sell them short. After the game, there was also the uh, uh, baked probably three hours prior um, half-size Papa John's pizza. 
But I like that they had them in the individual boxes. You know what I mean? You don't have to like get a paper towel with like three slices. That's a that's a sloppy move with and Mickey Mouse. So we don't need say, that. and you can take pride in this because I, I know other teams that you may or may not know, but the best SEC spread that I've ever seen, Georgia, easily. Well, we'll have to get into that spread a little later. I want to say one more thing about the trip, and then we'll move on to Maine. Uh, or, I mean, I'm sorry, one more big observation uh, from the game. Uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth airport is a godforsaken wasteland, and I never, ever, ever what to go into that place again. I was laid over for nine hours in Dallas. I'm sure a lot of you guys listening kind of had similar scenarios on Friday. While this hurricane is coming this week, last week it was just sporadic weather in Orlando and Chicago that threw everyone into Dallas at one time. And I'm pretty sure every one of those people got on a flight prior to me. Uh, I might've been the last person in the Dallas airport to leave that night. I also spent like $100 in the airport uh, in one day. So I never want to go back there. I'm going to get you a map for Christmas because there's no reason why you should have gone 600 miles past your destination. It, who cares how how many miles it is? It's how long it takes you to get there. <laughs> and it took me a long time, and I hope Ezekiel Elliott never, ever signs with the Cowboys. So that's what I wish on them. All right, let's do one more big observation. So we kind of just like got some of those things off our chest, but now we'll each get to... Say one thing that just just kind of, I would say, had better not continue to happen no matter who you play, uh, LSU or not. Um, I'll go first. Uh, Miscommunication, confusion uh, were everywhere on offense and defense, uh, and especially, especially on defense for LSU's third, fourth, and fifth touchdown drives. Now, Mike touched on this earlier, but... If the up-tempo surprised Georgia Southern, that would surprise me. They weren't going to be surprised by LSU going up-tempo. I mean, the whole world knew it. It was the only thing that people were talking about. So it didn't surprise them, right? Can we we'll all agree on that. It didn't surprise Georgia Southern's defense. But what it, what it did do was it broke them down as a unit, and it worked against them. So they knew that the up-tempo was coming. We know that. We know that they knew that the up-tempo was coming, and they could do nothing to stop it again, LSU's athletes, LSU's uh, kind of abilities all the way around, really throughout the program, won't be matched by really anyone else you play on the schedule, or won't be. Uh, I guess Minnesota would be the next closest theoretically. But if if a simple philosophy, uh, any kind of philosophy, if it breaks you down the way that Uptempo did and it confuses you the way that LSU confused Georgia Southern, they were confused at times uh, for three, four, five plays in a row. Um, and LSU kind of had its way uh, many times. If you don't stop a team five times in a row, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. And, and so I guess my question would be, uh, if LSU is getting to the line quickly, then your whole defensive unit is looking to the sideline for the play. Uh, and then LSU stops, takes its time at the line, readjusts the play, and then snaps it. Maybe, and then they do that five, six more times in a row. Maybe that's the pattern. Maybe that's what you need to adjust to. You know, maybe you don't look to the sideline on every play uh, and you do what 
we thought the Georgia Southern defense was supposed to do, not run around like robots, but run around in open space and allow themselves to make plays. Instead, there was plenty of open space for LSU receivers, and Georgia Southern looked like team a team that was trying to figure out what assignments it had instead of trying to make plays. And I didn't see that really at all last year from Georgia Southern. I definitely wasn't expecting it uh, this past week, but that needs to get fixed quickly. I'm not sure how much that has to do with safeties. Um, and I'll hop off the soapbox now, but uh, you know that was tough to watch defensively. Yeah, it really was. And I think that my final point would be kind of carrying over to the other side of the ball as well and uh, kind of making the same point. It's that, you know, you say that uh, they were confused, there was miscommunication. I say that there was a lack of aggressiveness, and I get it. That's the one team on this schedule that, to a man, is probably going to have a better athlete at every position, offensively and defensively. It's a it's a tough task. Nobody uh, – maybe they're surprised at the final score. No one's really surprised at the outcome. If you just said that it was going to be a, a bad loss for Georgia Southern, no one would be surprised about that. What I was surprised about was that I thought that maybe – you know, there would be just a little bit more aggression. It seemed like all too often Georgia Southern knew that it was up against a really good team, and instead of trying to throw a punch, they kind of let the fight come to them. And, you know, when you have a team as good as LSU that gets some momentum, that gets 95,000 fans on their side, you know, it's too late by the time they've thrown the first punch. And Georgia Southern, they just weren't able – anytime you see – uh, a, a team, you know, that's that big of an underdog, either pull off a win or even just give a competitive game. Usually it's because they don't quite throw caution to the wind, but they definitely come out with their best punch and they keep throwing punches until you physically make them stop. And Georgia Southern just didn't seem to have uh, that mentality. They got hit first, then kind of looked around and, you know, got maybe not caught up in the moment, but definitely realized that they were in some trouble and by the by the time they realized that it was already too late yeah and we'll look we'll leave it right there but i wrote that in my column from the baton rouge airport the next day the last time georgia southern went to louisiana chad lunsford after the game after georgia southern was pushed around by ulm chad lunsford after the game said it sucks you win then you come out here and lose you come out here and you get smacked in the face and that's where Georgia Southern was smacked in the face repeatedly on Saturday. Uh, they didn't seem to do much about it, and that was disheartening. We'll leave it right there, Mike. If you're good with that, and we'll never talk about LSU again. Okay. All right, let's jump to Maine. Uh, on to the next one. Number six, Maine. They're 1-0 coming off a win over Mighty Sacred Heart. Mike, I'll let you start breaking down Sacred Heart shortly. Uh, this one will be at Paulson Stadium, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, with Greg Talbot, your boy, on the call. Um, this one kind of feels to me, Mike, like it, it matters a great deal more than it did a week ago. And again, that maybe that's me being a prisoner of the moment. I, I will try to remind myself not to be that and do that. But Georgia Southern obviously needs to win this game. And a lopsided win would kind of validate what the team has said, right? Since they lost to LSU, uh, it was only one game. It's on to the next one. Um you know, it was the number six team in the country in LSU. It's not a, It's not going to shape our season. If you come out and you beat Maine handily like you should, then that kind of validates all that stuff. If you don't, then we got to wonder, was some of the stuff we saw in the LSU game real? Uh, were they real flaws? Or were, are they going to continue to be flaws? So you can kind of do a lot for yourself this week and kind of take out your pains on Maine and 
for as much talk as how good Maine is, uh, Mike, they're still an FCS team, and Georgia Southern needs to beat them by multiple scores. I mean, Georgia Southern is a better football team. I've watched the film from Sacred Heart. Uh, obviously, Sacred Heart doesn't look like much on film, but uh, you know, Maine ran right through them. Maine doesn't look like a team that should be playing four quarters with Georgia Southern. I guess for you, Mike, what do you want to see out of this game uh, from Georgia Southern? Well, my first thought would be that uh, you know I'd have to disagree with you. I don't think that. Uh, you should put more importance or stock into this game, you know, regardless of what happened at LSU, you know, at the end of the day, it was a game that nobody expected Georgia Southern to win. Now this game coming up against Maine, you know, from the time it popped up on the schedule all the way up until kickoff, it's going to be a game that Georgia Southern is expected to win. So I don't think that it should make any difference. uh, You know, what happened the, the week before. Now, of course, that means that regardless of what happened the week before, a loss this week means that Georgia Southern's way off track in terms of where they thought uh, they would be this season. So to me, the more important thing is address the things that went wrong against LSU. And I'm not talking about them just being better. I'm talking about the things that the coaches would only know, the players would only know, the things where they can go back and watch tape and know that we had this call. And by looking at the tape, regardless of whether or not LSU is just better, maybe you didn't do what you needed to do. You didn't make the right read. You didn't go where you were supposed to go. You didn't Those tackle. Are the things that they have to fix. Right. And, and if they go out and uh, do that and can, you know, execute better against Maine, you're right. They're a good team. They're they're a playoff team. They're used to big games. I don't think they're going to be too intimidated by going into Paulson Stadium. But Georgia Southern has the advantage of flipping the script this week and to a man on both sides of the ball – they should be the ones with the better athletes. So if you have the better athletes and you execute the game plan, it's a game that you should win. You know, of course, there's going to be uh, the skies falling and doomsday and naysayers if uh, if Georgia Southern even stumbles a little bit or has trouble. But at the end of the day, this is supposed to be a win. They need to figure out a way to just get that win and get the season yeah, going. Yeah, and I'm, look, I'm not concerned with, with uh, you know, what Joe Blow thinks, uh, who doesn't spend – all this time watching this team, but we do, the people listening to this podcast do, and they know, and they're going to know for sure if they don't know now, when they see Maine, they're going to know it when they see it. They're going to know that Georgia Southern is better probably at 20 of 22 positions every single time the ball is snapped. Uh, And I guess with the schedule that Georgia Southern has, if you're not beating up on Maine, you're not going to beat up on anybody. I mean, maybe I'm missing something on film, but I don't know what's so great about uh, this team. They have a couple of guys out wide that are good players. They're gonna, they're not going to have their best linebacker, a uh, guy that had almost 150 tackles last year. Uh, their quarterback threw 11 interceptions last year. Uh, he challenges cornerbacks, which perfectly suits uh, Brinson and Vildor, I would think. I don't know. I, I just feel like this one... It's it's now it's down to a seven and a half point spread for the home opener for a team that won ten games last year, Mike. I, I mean, I don't know. It just feels more important to me, but maybe maybe I am just being a prisoner of the moment. Well, that, I was I was going to say you let off the segment by saying you know you could be a prisoner in the moment. And I think that you know that's what it's turned into. Uh, I'm just trying uh, to be honest. That's understand. the way that's the way I feel. Well, but I, I think that, you know, after LSU, and it was such a rough game that nobody wants to think about that game, so naturally you move on to the next and you have a lot of time to think about it. And, you know, you stare at anything long enough, you can make it into something. And now all of a sudden you you hop on social media and you've got people drawing uh, parallels to the 2017 season of, you know, getting 
uh, smacked around by an SEC team in the opener. And then all of a sudden you've got an FCS team that's highly rated coming in. And then all of a sudden there's a hurricane off the coast that's – sorry, I know you said no hurricane reports. This isn't meteorology. But that's just okay, throwing a okay. parallel. Suddenly there's a storm that's threatening things and causing evacuations. And then <laughs> you've got another FBS. You stare at it long enough, you know, they – I think the term is uh, seeing zebras or hearing zebras when it's really just horses. That's what this is. It's a, it's a game that Georgia Southern should win, that they need to win if they want to uh, achieve the goals that they've set for themselves this season. So at the end of the day, it's as simple as that. They can't, no matter how hard they try, they're never going to change the 55-3 to score from last week. And no matter how much they worry about it, they can't change what's coming up ahead. Uh, all they can do is win this week. Yeah, but it's kind of like the cheerleader effect, right? Like, I mean, you have something so terrible, a uh, 52-point loss. Any kind of win, any kind of win might seem to do the trick just because it's compared to, you know, the ugly duckling in week one, right? I mean, it's, I, I guess we'll know it when we see it. And again, so will the fans. We need to see Georgia Southern kind of do what they said they were going to do. Uh, all season and what they did tremendously last year. The the stuff with the fumbles at LSU, you know, when you get clobbered from behind, you're going to fumble. That's, I mean, you can't really do anything about Also, really when you get illegally about. speared in the side of the head. Yeah, too, yeah. But. Maddie LaRoche yeah. got robbed on that one. And, uh, I'm sure the SEC officials are on well, top of Well, I know one right thing, now. Mike, you're on top of the SEC officials. I know that at all times. Uh, you, let's run down a couple names real quick for Maine. Um, we'll get more into it with their beat writer. I don't want to bore Mikey memory, but uh, quarterback Chris Ferguson, he's 6'4", 230, big, big righty um, who chucks it around the yard, not very mobile, uh, stays in the pocket, but he does get it out of his hand quickly. Uh, another guy that's kind of maybe not the best guy to blitz, uh, not that Scott Sloan's going to be blitzing a lot anyways, but... Um, he's a good player. He's a good quarterback, and he looks the part for sure. Um, they they were a okay with one on one matchups versus Sacred Heart. I don't know if that's gonna work as well. They also have a transfer running back from Buffalo uh, who rushed for over thirteen hundred yards in the MAC. Uh, Emmanuel Reed. He's a senior, uh, kind of a scat back. I think he's only five eight. He'll wear number seven. Then you have uh, a big bruising type, Joe Fitzpatrick. He's also a senior. Uh, and then their leading receiver in terms of catches is wide receiver Ernest Edwards. Cornerback uh, Manny Patterson is a senior. He's the best player on the defense now without star linebacker uh, Deshaun Stevens, who they believe has torn his Achilles. Uh, we don't know how long he'll be out. We know he won't be playing uh, this weekend versus Georgia Southern. All right, so we got that quickly taken care of before we get more in-depth with Maine later in this episode. Uh, Mike what what do we know about Shy Wirtz and kind of you know how uh, how confident are you in day to day determination? Yeah, the uh, the official word is day to day. They said that he um, had X rays during the NC game that they were uh, clear that he was cleared to play and that they just made the executive decision that that wasn't going to change much of what was going on on the field. So why risk it? Um, you know, so that that's an easy enough explanation for what happened Saturday night. Uh, the fact remains that you know he still hasn't participated in a practice yet. Again, that's uh, supposedly due to taking precautions. So you just never know. If it, if it were his non-throwing arm that was in question, it probably be, would be a whole different story. Um, you know, if it was uh, App State or any other conference game coming up. 
would totally be a different story in terms of how well he needs to be in order to be a go. So I, I honestly think that he's probably going to get some reps during practice and he could be a go all the way up until game time. And then it's just going to be a game time decision, but that's just my rampant speculation. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to try to speculate, but what I'll do is say what I would like to see is, as you know, if Wirtz, the, here's what happened at, at LSU. If Wirtz comes out of the game hurt, then re-enters the game after uh, being seen by the trainers, those, the trainers aren't letting, they're not letting him back in if he can, uh, you know, if he can injure whatever injury it is, if he can injure it further. Cut you off real right? quick. Uh, you know, I have seen some people saying that's a failure of the coaching staff to let him back in, a failure of the training staff. No. I will say that, you know, I don't get a paycheck from Georgia Southern to show for them, but I will say that their training staff is about as good as you'll see at any level of college football. Uh, you know, I have to think that the only way that Shy was back on that field with imminent injuries if he snuck back onto the field. Right, yeah. I mean, that's Mickey Mouse to think that any kind of program at this level is, is doing that kind of thing but but basically the, what my point is that if if words comes back on the field and then he does get tackled again on that second down never comes back I'm assuming that the tolerance I mean the pain at that point was not nowhere near worth playing in like a 30 point game right so if we if we get to Friday or Saturday morning of this week and the pain has gotten a little bit less but it's still pretty painful now you're starting to think do you got 65% of words or I mean, I don't know you, that's the kind of thing you're going to start thinking about coming into main weekend. And I guess one thing I wouldn't want, uh, if I was a Georgia Southern fan is to have to go through this every week. So if I had gun to my head, I would say, I, you know, I'd rather potentially lose to Maine than, than have words hurt. I mean, that sounds asinine, but, uh, you can't have words out if he's in any kind of pain. I will say that, you know, even though the offense was ineffective, I will say that Justin Tomlin looked the part of the quarterback. Uh, I thought he was, looked good. Yeah, I thought he looked yeah, good. Yeah, nothing was, nothing was going, but that wasn't a big change of uh, pace from when Wirtz was in. He looked confident. He looked uh, in control. Obviously, the running lanes weren't there. He didn't have much time to throw, but he definitely didn't look panicked. I'll say that much. Uh, you know, I, I think that we both think the, the world of Shy Wirtz, but Shy Wirtz as a freshman in that Auburn game, uh, two years ago, that was panic. That oh, was, he was uh, running that was around, him. yeah. Right, and through no fault of his own, he didn't have much help. But right. in that LSU game, a more experienced offense around Tomlin, but pretty much the same scenario. He didn't have much help coming anywhere. There were uh, four hats on him as soon as that ball was snapped, and he handled himself about as well as you can given those unwinnable circumstances. So I guess that maybe makes the decision easier if it's to where – you're speculating that, you know, Shy, if he absolutely had to, he'd be doing the game, but it's going to hurt and it might get hurt worse. I guess that at least makes the decision a little bit easier that you know you've got a guy with some reps that the offense seemed to rally around to the extent that it could in that uh, LSU game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like the fact that Tomlin came in and chucked the damn thing. Like, I mean, <laughs> some of the passes down the sideline, especially one to – Darion Anderson had to turn into a uh, had to turn into a cornerback, but uh, you know he came in trucking it down by like twenty something already uh, before you come blank. You're not going to get beat worse once it's a forty point deficit. Doesn't matter if it's fifty. That's what I'm screaming, man. You need the reps 
take the reps. Uh, so I guess, yeah, for Maine, it comes down to, you know, if you think you're good enough to be Maine without shy Wirtz, and I think you should be, um, then you go from there. But obviously, we don't know Wirtz's diagnosis yet, so this is all... You know, speculation. Uh, Mike, you want to let everyone, or if you have anything else to add, you can. I'm sure there's no Phillies talk today. Uh, no, they uh, they won me a bet last night, so that was good. Well, that was mighty nice of them. Uh, you want to let everyone yeah, how they, they can were, read your stuff? Uh, yep, you can read me in the Sagesburg Herald. Uh, you can also read me online at sagesburgherald.com. We post videos uh, throughout the week. And on game day, you can catch me on Twitter at, at heraldgsports. All right, I'm going to make this one easy on producer Zach, and I'll tell you guys how to find our stuff now before we get to our interview uh, with Mike Lowe. Um, find us at savannahnow.com slash sports, at Jadon Sports SMN on Twitter, and sign up for our newsletters on savannahnow.com. That's the quickest, easiest way to get the best Georgia Southern information. Share, rate, subscribe to this podcast only if it's five stars, and we'll see you this Saturday at Pulse. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter. And this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage. Click get our newsletters and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. All right, we're now joined by Mike Lowe of the Portland Press-Herald. Mike's going to join us and kind of give us uh, a little scouting report of the Maine Black Bears. Obviously, a lot of you guys down here are not too familiar with Maine, um, so we want to give you guys the best opportunity to hear from someone who is more than familiar with the team. So, Mike, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Oh, anytime, Travis. So we got obviously a you know non-conference matchup, a kind of a unique matchup, FBS versus FCS, but also unique in that uh, Maine is coming off a game where they beat the daylights out of a team, and Georgia Southern is coming off of a game where they got the daylights beat out of them. So uh, kind yeah, of, but it, it was different levels, you know. Yeah, of course, Georgia, of course. <laughs> Georgia Southern's playing a pretty good team in LSU, and 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 Sacred Heart, the team that Maine defeated, is they, they play in a league that's considered a level below. Uh, the Colonial Athletic Association. So, you know, uh, but still, you know, uh, a win's a win, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of teams uh, can vouch for that. But I guess let, let's start generally uh, with the team as a whole. Uh, First-year coach, um, had an awesome year last year, obviously, as a program, uh, trying to do something that it hasn't done since, I believe, the early 2000s and, and string together consecutive uh, uh, you know, really quality seasons. So, how's the team this year compared to last year, and kind of what's your feeling of it early on? Well, I think it, the team is it was well ahead of where it was last year at this time. Um, uh, I think uh, the, the experience they they uh, they own they they returned 15 status from a team that went to the uh, FCS uh, semifinals last year. Um, so they have the experience, and and that's huge. And they have a third uh, a third year starter at quarterback. 
And uh, if the first game is any indication, uh, Chris Ferguson has really elevated his game this year. Uh, he's much more comfortable back there. He's much more mature back there. You know, he was 23 for 29, 423 yards, three touchdowns, uh, just a, an amazing performance. He, he had over 400 passing yards in the first half. Uh, so, so, uh, they, they really, they scored touchdowns on their first six possessions last week, last Friday. So yeah, I, I, I mean, this, this team, a bunch of mature experienced players who, who know what to do and, and know how, how to do it now. Uh, they had that success last year and they want to build off of it. And I, I don't know if you can, you know, perfectly box Maine and Jay, and I've seen, uh, you know, as many of their games as I can, uh, you know, I watched the Eastern Washington game again this weekend. Um, got to see some of the Sacred Heart game. That, that, those games are tough to find sometimes. But uh, can you kind of describe, maybe if you can, box the offense into one kind of a scheme or kind of what they hang their hat on? Uh, you you can't box them into one kind of a scheme. Because they're they're a pro style. It's kind of a combination of West Coast and and and, and several other offenses. What they're trying to do is their number one thing is get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. That's, they don't care how they do it. But they will go four wide receivers at times. They'll go double tight at times. Uh, this is a, a, a team that has a, a history and a tradition of being a, a very uh, physical running team. Um, and they have, uh, you know, everyone, everyone on the offensive line has started at this level. Uh, at some point, they, they had uh, seven, eight guys returning who, who had stats last year on the offensive line. They're big, they're physical, they're athletic, which is which is what impresses me about the alignment. They can move and they can, they can pull out and play. They always want to establish a run, but I think this year what's going to separate them is they have four wide receivers who who may be the best core in the in the Colonial Athletic Association in uh, Jaquan Blair, Andre Miller, uh, Devin Young, and Ernest Edwards. Um, these are guys who are, who are going to win one-on-one matchups. Uh, I, I would a lot of the times, and that's what they did last week in Sacred Heart. Uh, there was a lot of really good coverage on them, and they just made the catches, and and, and the passes were right there. Um, it's hard to pinpoint what they're going to do week to week because they game plan, uh, you know. And and uh, they may come out this week, and and knowing that Georgia Southern likes to uh, run the ball, uh, they may try to run the ball themselves and control the clock. Who knows? I I, I really can't tell you because they are a multiple offense. They do a lot of different things, but they they pass the ball very well. Yeah, just from looking at, I mean, the roster, the the stats, uh, the kind of bios of this team. This is definitely a, a talented team, a veteran team, and a team that I, looks like there's a lot of camaraderie. And you know, set what's seven guys uh, on the defense who have played in a dozen or who have started a dozen or more games in their career. That I mean, that's pretty impressive and that's seven not including uh, uh a linebacker that might be missing the game so i guess what i would ask is main coming down here every team every coach says uh they go everywhere to win uh georgia southern last week said that they were going down to lsu to win uh, Maine and georgia southern is not the same uh difference obviously not the same difference between the two teams but i would say this how confident is Maine coming into this game as compared to uh, how confident they were last year when they knocked off an FBS team? Well, uh, you know, I, I think they're very confident. This is a very confident team. They think they can compete with anyone, and a lot of it revolves around that defense. They call themselves the black hole defense. That's been their, their nickname for, for years. 
and they're really good against the run. They led, led FCS in, in rushing defense last year. They gave up 72 yards a game last year. And I know last week it looked like, you know, they gave up 103, but I would say probably 50 of that came in the fourth quarter against right. the second defense. Um, um, they're really physical. They're really physical defense. They, they return every starter on the defensive line. Uh, and, and again, as you said, uh, they did lose their middle linebacker, Deshaun Stevens, uh, suffered a ruptured Achilles. Um, last week in the game, uh, they just announced it, uh, you know, minutes before we went on, uh, that he's going to miss the rest of the season. And, and he's a huge loss. He led the team in tackles last year. He was a preseason all American selection, uh, by FCS stats, uh, big loss, but they also feel that that was a very deep position and they're going to shift some guys around and, and they feel that you look, you know, it's going to be hard to replace his, his, his uh, production, but they feel they can replace his presence on the field if you know what I mean yeah yeah and just looking at the depth chart it does look like them I and there's there's options there where I don't want to go I guess too far too deep into that but on the defensive side of the ball I guess I'd ask you the same question that I asked you about the offense is there something um that I mean and I know you said they're tough but like is there something or some kind of trait or character aspect of, of a main defense that we should look for they're going to play man-to-man uh, coverage in the secondary for right. most of the time. Uh, they believe and they, they believe they have uh, some really good cornerbacks that can do that. Uh, Manny Patterson was a preseason All-American selection. Uh, he's a senior uh, from Baltimore, and uh, he may be the best cornerback, uh, certainly in, in this conference. Uh, really good coverage man, likes to come up and make the hit too. Uh, but they do, they're going to bring a lot of pressure from, from different, uh, areas up front. Their, their front seven, uh, is going to come at you, uh, repeatedly and from all directions. All right. I guess we'll close on this one. I, I'm always interested to know, uh, other fan bases and other beat writers, kind of what their sense is when they hear Georgia Southern on the schedule. I, I know if I were to hear Army on the schedule, the first thing I would think of is, is, okay, option offense immediately and so i guess the fan base and the, and the team and and you guys around the team and the media kind of what is the sense of georgia southern you know as a program and kind of what they're going to offer uh when they play maine i don't think maine's ever beaten them i think that's the thing you know yeah, i think that's uh, oh and three but they, you know those are all right. big big time playoff games right right well that's just it the, you know they're yeah. uh you know they've they've met them in big big situations and, and they they've lost to them and and um I think this is a this is a chance for 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 Maine to show uh, just how good it is. They, they're really looking at this as as a, a measuring stick uh, as as to how good this program is this year. Um, they know that the you know the tradition, the history of Georgia Southern. Uh, they know that that you guys going to run the triple option, and, and they don't see that often up here. So that's that's a big challenge right there. But but it is a measuring stick. They, they're they going to see just how, how good they think they are by going down there and, and how well they play against uh, Georgia Southern. Well, hopefully we're, we'll all stay dry in this hurricane. We'll steer clear of us. Mike, do you want to let everyone know um, how they can follow you and read your stuff? Yeah, well, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Mike Lowe PPH. That's M-I-K-E-L-O-W-E-P-P-H. Uh, our website is the uh, pressherald.com. Um, Pretty easy, uh, and and that's that's it. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I won't be down there. We we uh, we're not traveling down this weekend, but uh, 
you know, I'll be following the game uh, Saturday night, and um, you know, I'm 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 expecting a good one. I, I think it's going to be a pretty pretty uh, pretty competitive game. I'm with you. I agree, Mike. Thanks for joining us. All right. Take care. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. To Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. 